0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. My father um, wears glasses. He enjoys reading books. And when he does this, he has this habit of tugging his hair as he thinks. know certain visual cues, most notably the hair on his head, to whether his thoughts have drawn him somewhere else. Hearing this passage from John's Gospel, I find myself with an image of my father standing by the door of his study with wild hair, asking himself what it was he was intending to do in the foyer. And as if remembering, he turns to me and asks, Stephen, have you seen my glasses? And now I like to be helpful when I can, so I pause for a moment to think if I have, before I realize that he's wearing them and tell him so. I don't know if my father would appreciate my sharing this story, but I suspect he's far from alone. Perhaps someone in your life, perhaps even you, has had a similar experience of forgetting what we meant to do or failing to see what is literally before our eyes. The members of the crowd whom Jesus had fed at that miraculous feeding of the 5,000, about whom we hear today, had much the same experience— Not only did they chase after Jesus, whom they had earlier declared was indeed the prophet who has come into the world, but when they find him going about his business in Capernaum, they seem to forget precisely what it was that drove them to travel the distance in search of him there. And as they arrive, Jesus cuts to the chase, and he declares to them... You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. It's a bit direct, frankly, it's a bit critical. But these these followers of Jesus didn't come all this way in search of him simply to take offense. So they respectfully inquire, what must we do to be doing the works of God? In a sense, that's a simple question, a face-saving question, if you will. They seem to think they have a pretty good idea already what Jesus means when he says they should labor for the eternal things. They seem to assume that he's pointing to those pious things of religious observance. And it's as if they think to themselves, if this rabbi imagines imagines that we're in it for the wrong reasons, we're going to show him that we're serious. We're going to ask a good question. Just like those aspired teachers pets who sit in the front row and and you know sometimes their intellects aren't quite up to the task and they hurry to demonstrate they already know what the teachers gonna say and and it's no no that's not what we're doing you know please stop stop interrupting but if Jesus had been blunt before answers with some of the most straightforward words recorded from this mouth of his, which he so often opened in parable. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And those words must have confounded them. Because they appear to have completely forgotten the very miracle that brought them to him. These silly, silly people who numbered among the 5,000 at yesterday's feast tell Jesus that what they'd really like is if he could just, you know, make manna rain down from heaven and feed them, you know, how Moses did in in, in the wilderness. And then if he did that, they could bleep. Could Jesus' declaration, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, have any greater vindication? It's as if they had entered the foyer to visit God, gotten there, and forgotten what they were doing. And if you're anything like me, You can fear to believe when God's gifts of love are raining down like manna from above in your life. Because we're not immune to that same desire to seek signs that fit neatly within our own religious frameworks, biblical though they may be, while overlooking the very joys that inspired us to search for them. For if we are bold enough, bold enough to see our reflections in these inquirers who have come to Capernaum in light of their folly to perceive that we too have been driven to Jesus because he's already blessed us, we too ask for manna the morning after the feast. Indeed, why seek a Savior if there's nothing worth saving? I suspect part of what can obscure our motives in searching for Jesus, in searching for God, is the false belief that paradise will be some land of plenty on the model of the food of this world that perishes. We mistakenly think that we we must focus on other things, the things of God, in order that we might reap a harvest of pleasures of the very kind we must forego later on after we're dead. But nothing could be further from the truth. Because Jesus presents us a choice between the food that perishes and the food that endures to eternal life. And this means that the pleasures of the kingdom of heaven begin right here and right now. That they've already been given to us. For our lives, our lives are like dough in which the yeast of faith is working so that although not yet fully risen, we can still notice the places where it is active. Notice the signs of God's love which lie as close to us as the glasses on our noses through which we look as we look for our glasses. And perhaps you remember as a child watching bread rise in the oven, or your delight as the cookies your mother made grew larger and larger. And maybe with the same wide eyes, you regarded those times spent with your spouse early on, those dates when you first realized that this was growing into something much bigger than these moments alone. Perhaps you recognize something of your smile reflected in the oven door. When a a sort of sense of relief curls across your lips when a colleague makes a joke that relieves tension that no one outside the office could possibly understand. Or when a similar excitement moving in your stomach, surges through the whole of you when you took hold of your newborn in your arms. Maybe you felt something of that same sense of promise when you discovered that your prayers were no longer heightening your anxiety, but they were giving you rest. And perhaps you found a familiar joy in observing your grandchildren Watch something you begged for them rise in the oven. They are all, these are all present joys that even so promise more blessings to come. And through Jesus, this whole world was made. Through his generosity, we have received each and every one of the joys in our lives. But yet more marvelously, he came into this world and he gave himself up that our imperfections might not keep us from enjoying it forever. So that when that yeast of faith has risen through this whole world and brought us to paradise, we might come before him and shower him with praise. Praise for the memory of the things we're enjoying right here in our lives. And we'll be there and join with throngs from every tribe and nation. Rejoicing in Jesus' goodness. So that even eternity will be too short The bounty of his blessings are. The bread of heaven, the bread of heaven is already falling. The signs already abound. All that remains, all that remains is to spread a table in your heart that there you might feed on the bread of life by faith with thanksgiving. Amen.